T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa dematis Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I'm one of the hosts of this program. My name is Ann Baldwin, President and CEO of Baldwin Media, and I've got a special co-host today. This is Beth Connor, Chief Strategy Officer at The Connection. Well, Beth, it's, it's great to have you in studio today. We should mention that Lisa is on her way to be with her mother. Yes. Um, she's having some surgical procedures done, so we want to send our, our prayers and our thoughts and our blessings for a good outcome. So it's nice to have you fill in here in her seat today. It's a pleasure to be you and I go way back. We do. We so do. Uh, it's like old old friends week here uh, on this program. And I'm so excited whenever we get um, a real life story here in the studio, a story of um, what happened and uh, now what is today. That's really what energizes our audience. And we hear a lot from our listeners that they want more of that. So today we got a lot of that because Willie's in the house. And you're going to hear a lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs> so, Willie, um, we want to thank you for coming in and be willing to share your story with folks out there listening because, you know, we're all just one step away from what could be a potential disaster, sure, right? That's true. And from what I've read about your story, it was a bit of a disaster, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, why don't you tell our listeners where you were at? What happened to you, Willie? Um, it all began, I would say, again, because I had. Ever since I was 14 years old, I've been on on and off drugs since my mother died. I was 14 when my mom died, and I had just turned 15 when my dad died, which he died 11 months apart. Then I go to live with my grandmother, and a year and a half after I was living with her, she died. So Mm. now it's just me and my sister trying to manage. Well, me trying to manage because I'm the oldest. So uh, I got involved with some people out of New York, you know, that's well-documented gangsters, Nicky Barnes, and Pee Wee Kirk, and those kind of people. And um, I just was knee-deep in drug in the, in, the, in the drug business. And um, I didn't graduate from junior high school, but what has happened, because I had uh, basketball skills, athletic skills, they got me into high school without ever having graduated junior high school. So I played with a guy wow. named Calvin Murphy, who is a basketball Hall of Famer. He used to play in the high school. He played with the Houston Rockets. Wow. I moved to Houston. Uh, I lived down there 33 years before I went, I went to prison down there, matter of fact, in 1980. And I did uh, 18 years, six months, five days, and 11 hours. <laughs> Wait, let's let's hear that again. What was the exact time? 18 years. 18 years. Six months. Six months. Five days. Five days. And 11 hours. And 11 hours. But who's counting? Yeah, who, who counts? <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about that. So you you talked about the fact that you you know you a lot of death in your family. I can't even imagine, and then you being you know the one to look after your sister because I know that 
oldest thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what happened? I mean, when you say you got into drugs, what is it that landed you in prison? Um, I had robberies. I was bank robberies and savings and loans, and I had a murder case. Uh, it was just one thing after another. Uh, and I've been in prisons here in Connecticut also in the early years when I was younger. All related to drugs. Every bit of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you talk a little, you said murder. So, you've murdered somebody? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a robbery? No. In a street altercation. Wow. About drugs. All over drugs. Mm -hmm. Drugs make you do some crazy things. Things that you wish you didn't do later on in the years. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Mm -hmm. So, talk a little bit about, you know, that was your your reason, right, that you say because of the deaths in your family that you went down the road of, of drugs. Um, what kind of drugs and what was your life like back then? And, and I'm asking, sitting here going, what happened to your sister? But we'll get to that. She was always, I always kept my sister um, shaded. You know, there there are people grow, that grew up with, uh, you know, knew that my sister wasn't the one to, to mess with. Guys didn't get close to her because of me, because I had that, that attitude, <laughs> my sister, he, you know, that's, that was all I had at the time, you know. And um, <clears throat> she just was always protected by, through my name, you mm. know, my reputation. So um, one thing just led to another, and I just kept making foolish mistakes. But every time, once I got my sister in a comfortable place, her own place, you know, stuff like that, then, you know, I, I took bigger risks every time I, I felt that she was safe, I kept taking bigger risks and bigger risks until, you know, it's almost like an addiction, mm -hmm. you know. And But my drug of choice was heroin. Heroin? Mm-hmm. So get us to where you were incarcerated. Mm -hmm. You went to jail for probably a couple of charges? Yeah, yeah. And what happened when you were in jail? Um, for those 18 years, 11 months, 5 days. 11 hours. <laughs> 11 hours. Yeah. Um, what happens when you go to prison, if you're from the streets, you don't live any different in prison mm -hmm. than you do when you're in the streets. Mm -hmm. You know, you go in there and people know your reputation, mm -hmm. you know, um, even to some of the officers, you know, uh, there's a difference between an inmate and a convict, mm -hmm. you know, so the officers had a lot more respect for the inmates. I mean, the convicts than they did the inmates. Mm. You know, because we respected them because they respected us. You know, we didn't do anything behind anybody's back. What's the difference between an inmate and a convict? Yeah. Uh, I can't use cuss words, but... No, you can't. An inmate is a butt kisser. Oh, okay. Convicts don't... They ain't gonna do that. Oh, okay. And so you were... And, and they're not gonna always do what you tell them to do if they don't think it's the, it's the right thing for them to do. All right. Yeah. All right, so there was no butt kissing. You just you were, were a convict. You were a convict. Absolutely. Okay, we got that. And so, did you did prison rehabilitate you? No, it, 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 no. I well, first of all, you, you have to be of the mindset to be rehabilitated. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't. I wasn't in the mindset to be mm -hmm. rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. The last sentence I did, I thought I was. You know, and you can get the drugs out of your system. Right. But you have to work on what you have to get out of your mind. Absolutely. Right. So I did all that time and I got out two or three years. I was good until I had to move back up this way. Mm. Now, there are, I had certain triggers mm -hmm. that I didn't have in Texas that I had up here. Mm -hmm. So my wife had to go to a hospital 
in Maryland called John Hopkins because she had a swallowing disorder. You know, and they couldn't find the, you know, they couldn't find the disconnection between why she couldn't swallow. The only thing my wife used to eat, and she didn't eat it, she drank it, was inshore. She couldn't eat no, she couldn't swallow mashed potatoes. Wow. So, um, it was always amazing to me how somebody can cook food that you like eating but can't eat it herself. Mm -hmm. You know. So let me ask you this. So what was it like when you, where did you detox from heroin the first time in prison? In Texas? Yeah. What was that like? No, not no, that wasn't the first time because I went to programs in New York uh, back in the 60s. I've been to programs here in Connecticut um, when they used to have Fairfield Hills up in Newtown, mm-hmm. you know, different other programs. But so, it, it wasn't, a t- it, this program that I went to in 2016 is the one that I got the most education about my addiction. And we'll talk about that. So the long and short of it is, Willie, that you've spent 56 years of your life fighting addiction. Absolutely, yeah. And what was it? What was it that, you know, because I'm in recovery myself, right? Mm-hmm. So to your point when you said, um, you know, you can you can stop the drink or the drug, but if you don't change your mindset, That's it. It, you're going to go right back where you were, too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So what was it do you think about and how were you introduced to the connection in their programs two years ago that made the difference? Um, I had I had kind of lost it after my wife passed. So I, I got back into drugs. In 2005, I got arrested. And I, I was on, I'm still on parole. I get off parole from the sentence I had 105 years. Wow. But you I, were sentenced to 105 years? Yeah, I, I got sentenced to 335-year sentences. But over the period of time that I was in prison, after nine and a half years fighting my case, you know, you have to get your case exalted. You have to file through lower courts, and they're going to, you know, deny it. Then you go to another level court. When you got to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals out of Louisiana, you know, it took them about three years before they would even hear my case because they had a caseload. Mm-hmm. You know, when they finally heard it, because I had filed for ineffective assistance of counsel, you know, which is saying that the attorney didn't work, you know, effectively in my behalf, uh-huh. they kicked my case back. And was that on the murder conviction? One of them was, yeah. Yep. Murder's murder, though, isn't it? No, it depends the the reason for the murder. Uh, Whether it was self-defense or... More or less. It wasn't... You know, I could have been charged with premeditated murder because he had a gun to my head, mm. and I had my youngest daughter with me at the time. And I was so upset, I was telling Miss Helen, that when he took that gun off my head after about five or ten minutes and I drove off, I knew when I went home to take my daughter that I was going to come back and kill him. Because I was crying. I was literally crying. I was so upset because I ain't never had that happen. You know, all the years I was spent in New York, you know, with them way out there dude guys, I ain't never had that happen. So somebody held a gun to your head while you had your daughter with you? Yeah. Threatening. Was this over drugs, I'm assuming? I came over there to make a proposition with him because okay. I had all the drugs in Houston. Mostly, I had major, major drugs in Houston. Okay, you went over there to make a deal. He puts a gun to your head with your daughter with you. Mm-hmm. Let you go. Yeah, I wish you, I wish you had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he let me go. And you went back and killed him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Three thirty-five year sentences. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing sitting here today? Uh, God bless him. You know, they say prayers go up, blessings come down, mm-hmm. you know. But in 2016, you know, I knew I had a, 
I, was, I had went back to sniffing drugs. I put myself in the drug program. <clears throat> well, first I was I I um I was homeless because I wouldn't go live with any one of my kids. I told them because I had gotten fed up that I didn't want to help. I got myself in this mess. I'm gonna get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. It's only one way. To, that's the only way I can see my way out of it. So I got into a drug program. Uh, first, I was at as when I was at the shelter, a lady named PJ who worked for um, the United Way introduced me to Miss Helen, who runs the connection where I live at. And uh, and th- if I can just interrupt yeah, to on. give Helen some props, this mm. is uh, Helen McClendon, who is our director of housing and homelessness. She works across the state mm-hmm. so very hard yes. to help people like Willie uh, get into mm-hmm. uh, better situations. She's such a mentor and a friend uh, to all that she works with. So, so what made a difference that time, Willie, though? So you meet Helen. Um, she runs this program for The Connection. What was The Connect and what was different this time? You know, the people that don't understand our flight, people with addictions or people who, don't have, who haven't had them, mm-hmm. whether they're giving money or trying to take programs away from, you know, that's our, that programs are helping people. They don't know the, they just don't know our flight. Mm-hmm. So um, when I got connected with Mrs. Helen, um, things just began to change gradually. And to be honest with you, when she came to me after I met her, I said, oh, here go, you know, excuse my expression, here go another little, little white lady, all right, like she could do something for me. You know, I really didn't, I really had my doubts. And was this through the Department of Corrections? No, this is when I was out. Okay, you're already out. Yeah, and I was in a halfway house. Okay. And um she just kept she just kept coming. She just kept coming. She just kept coming. I said, Damn you know, I I'm serious. I, I I'm I'm in my sixties at the time. I'm seventy one now, so that was I was sixty eight. You know, and she just kept coming, kept coming till I she, I had created a belief by now that this woman's gonna really help me, man. She tried to get me in some places upstate Connecticut, and I really didn't want to go, and they wouldn't accept me because of my prior histories. You know, so she just kept digging, kept digging, and something came open where I live at now in Bridgeport, and she put my name in, and they didn't want to let me in there, but the lady who was the CEO of it said, let them in. People make mistakes. Give them a chance. And so where you are now... Willie, is a program called Milestone, Milestone, which is in Bridgeport, mm-hmm. and it opened in 2016. I think right. you were one of the first yep. residents there. It's a beautiful, beautiful. I, I call it the hotel. Mm-hmm. It's really well done, and uh, Bridgeport Neighborhood Trust actually built the building, Correct. and we, uh, from the connection, are the service providers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Helen is actually based out of that office. Thank God. And... <laughs> That little white lady. (laughs) (laughs) And she works with all the residents there to to help you succeed. And she doesn't really have to work with all of them. Right. Because there's only 10 of us that. That's right. You know, but, uh, you know, she constantly stretches herself, man. Like I said, when I was up in the program in Lebanon Pines, you know, people say things to you, whether it's in church or somewhere on the street, you can meet a person and they'll say something to you and it just resonates. Well, I, I say this all the time and every time I talk. Uh, I had to get a special counselor. I had a counselor. So he told me two things that, because I didn't know I was going to stay up there. 
because they have a lot of little young kids, 20, 21 years old. They even got their feet where you did. And they, you're they an know old man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was the second oldest person up there. I was 68 years old. You know, so anyway, he said two things. He said other things, but the two things that stuck with me the most is he said, you know, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it, mm. meaning you have to get out that mindset. And the second thing was the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Wow. I love that. I was in after that. And she used to come up there all the time. It's home. I mean, not all the time. She'd been up there two or three times to visit me and see how I was doing. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Um, oh. April will be three years. Congratulations. Congratulations. I am literally done. I'm done. I can't do no more than what I did in the past. I'm done. Tell us about life now, Willie. It is so much different. Uh-huh. You know, it's different being out in the world, free world, off drugs than being in prison and being off drugs. Because out here, you can get them anytime you want. You walk down, I can walk out of my house and walk two blocks. There's drugs being sold. You know, but I'm more out there trying to help people get them in programs then think that they know now they can't convince me to get back into the drug game. They know it. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's over with, you know, I don't it's know. not an option for you. At it's this not point. even an option, mm-hmm. you know, because you've changed your mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why would you want to give up everything that you've got today? Yeah. So you live there. It's assisted housing. Um, mm-hmm. Do you work? No, I'm looking for a job. <clears throat> oh, he's looking at Helen. <clears throat> She'll find something. She'll find something? She Why don't will. you find something? Uh, because I don't have, you know, there's places that I can go and they still got that stigma over you. You know, you file an application and on applications, have you ever been, to, you know, committed of a crime? You know. Right. It's the stigma. <laughs> it's a stigma. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Even with housing. Well, I got to tell you, you're you know, the first murderer that's ever been in this yeah. radio studio. Yeah. That's probably a little callous to say that, but I'm, I'm just like, yeah. you know, sitting across from you. Yeah, there's that stereotype, but I mean, I, when I met you, I would have never thought, no. right? I'm harmless. I, I'm done. Yeah, you're I'm, done. I'm done. You could stick a fork in me, I'm done. Stick a fork <laughs> in me, I'm done. How are your kids doing? Oh, they're doing wonderful. I, You know, I've been fortunate in that aspect because hey, none of my kids ever been in trouble. Uh, my two daughters got a uh, um, master's degree. One of them got two. Uh, my Youngest daughter and my youngest son work been working for IBM for 20 years or more. Wow. And are they in the area? No, 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 no. My youngest daughter lives in a house that I own also in Houston. Oh, okay. And my youngest son is in Georgia, but my two oldest kids live in Providence, Rhode Island. And you've received some honors as well. Tell us about your, your award from, uh, was it uh, 2016? 16. 16. Yeah. Reaching um, home. Willie, tell us about the award that you won, uh, the Carol Walter Award, I believe. Yeah, for supportive housing. Right. Um, I didn't think I had a chance to win that. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm just out of a program and so on and so forth. <laughs> and Miss Helen didn't put my name in for it. You know, I, I forgot all about it until they called me one day and said, Willie, guess what? What? You won the award. You got to go to the dinner and stuff like that. And so I said, whoa. And this was a big deal in the, in the a, housing world. I don't know about the housing world. I can tell you what it meant to me. What? You know, a new beginning. I mean, it, it, it would just, it, it solidified where I had come from and to where I'm going. I, it, it really did. I, to me, it may not have been a big thing to some people, but that was a real big thing for me to receive that award. So what was the criteria and what did you get? What is the crowd? I don't even know. <laughs> I know I was doing well. 
I knew that. You're a perfect example of somebody who's really dug yeah, himself yeah, out of a hole. Yes. And yes. you know, the other thing that I like about the story too, Willie, is that you were no spring chicken when you finally figured this stuff out. Exactly. You were how old when you finally got into supportive housing through the connection? and 68. Clean and sober. Right. So when people say, you know, what the hell, I'm already this age or, you know, I don't have that much to go. It's never know, too late. It's never too late. That's why these type of programs is offering up a chance to stop where you're at if you ain't heading in the wrong direction and re-erect you, you know, redirect you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never too late. And that's what, you know, I believe that a lot of people that say or question whether these programs work or not. If not, if you didn't find this program, my guess is you'd probably be incarcerated again and we'd be paying for that. Or the OD somewhere laying up in a hallway in the street dead. You know. But instead... Yeah. You, well, you'll have to tell us about your apartment. I know you keep a very immaculate <laughs> apartment. Yeah. Um, you got but, uh, OCD. You have OCD? Yeah. Yeah. Good. And he's proud to show it off. But he like, also advocates. Like these papers now, I've been wanting to straighten them up like this so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at my hair then today, <laughs> no, man. I'm no, telling no, you. No, no, I'm sorry. But you're an advocate as well, right? Yeah. And you're yeah. an advocate for uh, sobriety, for recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly for our programs, you're a great spokesperson for what it. the connection does, and we, we thank you for that. Um, like I said, I, I was given another chance, mm-hmm. which I didn't have to be given. But like I said, you get a, you get a particular person behind you, like Miss Helen, um, and other people, Linda, who works with the program. You know, those kind of people don't, you know, they don't recognize you for what you did they want to know what you what you want to do well and that's just it i think a lot of times with addiction um you've got to put the past behind you yeah, you know they yeah. say you know don't have regrets i mean we all have regrets yeah, right yeah, but if yeah. you don't start looking at a positive future all that stuff will eat you up and you'll stay right where you're yeah, at that's his good word eat you up because that's what it does mm-hmm. it, it literally does that and like I said, when I got up in that program, I didn't know if I was going to be able to stay there mm-hmm. because there was a bunch of young kids that I know had never stepped foot in my line, you know, in my in my in my work, you know, my life path. You know, they haven't even, you know, some of them seen me just got out of high school, you know, and their parents got a lot of money, and it's the only reason why they up there. And I told them if you're, that's the only reason why I up here, you up here for the wrong reason. Right. Willie, one of the things I read about your story, too, is that you took the initiative in that you we talk about this number all the time, and the first entry to getting help is 211. Mm-hmm. That you called that number, you called 211. Mm-hmm. You know, you got an emergency, you dial 911. You got a life emergency, you called 211. And you right. did that. And that's what eventually led you to Helen, which led you to where you're at today. Correct. And I just want to say, too, that I think with all of the connection programs, one of the hallmarks of the, the way our folks work with individuals like you, Willie, is we meet you where you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So as Ann mentioned before, um, we don't dwell on the past. We look towards the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what Helen saw in you was the potential in you that you were just starting to see yourself. Yeah, that's a good point because at that time she saw something at me at that time that I didn't see in myself. Uh-huh. You know, uh, and that, that that just raised the hair on the back of my neck sometimes. You know, to think that somebody had looked that deep into me, you know, and just stay confident that I would come out of whatever it was that I was in, and that's what she did. Well, you probably never had that positive role model in your life. If your parents right. died at such yeah. a young age and that's you true, lost true. your your other guardian, true. your grandmother. 
I mean, who was there to tell you you could no, figure it no out and you could do no it? No aunts. No. Nobody, right? So where do you go? And, and nobody knows what somebody else is dealing with. Oh, Everybody's yeah. situation is different. And to your point, Beth, to meet somebody where they're at. Helen took the time to plant the seed mm-hmm. and had to come back how many times yeah, in order for you to yeah. open up your mind, yeah. Willie, and say, hey, maybe this little white lady's onto something. Yeah. Hey, you know, to be honest, it was hard for me to be able to admit to her that I had a drug problem because she had already committed you know confidence in me uh-huh. you know she didn't know that when i was at the halfway house you know that i was occasionally getting high she didn't know when i first moved in the um the you know, um milestone milestone that i was still getting, i had to you know i had to come to grips with that man because i i felt like i would be disappointing her by telling her that something like that i would have I felt better off sneaking away and going through the program and coming back and say, well, you've been on this time. Oh, I've been on vacation, you know, then to disappoint her because she just. You got to the point you had such a vested interest in that relationship yeah. that you couldn't do that to yeah, her. exactly. And that's where, you know, the, the training of the folks from The Connection, uh-huh. you know, come into play because, you know, they've probably heard it all, right? Absolutely. They know the games that mm-hmm. people play. And, you know, I won't, we said we can't swear on this uh, show, so I won't say it. But, you know, good for you for being open and honest because I'm sure it wouldn't have worked if you weren't. That's the truth. That's, the, that's one of the things that you learn from the program. Mm-hmm. You know, being honest and telling people, you know, how you think and how right. you feel. Right. And we want to mention, too, to people out there that if you want more information today, we're talking about the the assisted living program and the program that you're you're taking part in at uh, the Milestone Apartments in Bridgeport. That the website, theconnectioninc.org, is a great place to go. Um, Whether folks are coming out of incarceration, um, you know, foster care programs, substance abuse issues, I mean, really runs the gamut. But that entry call to 211 is also a great number for Mm -hmm. people to write down and pay attention to because... And that'll get them into housing. So that's really the number to call for housing. Uh, Contact us directly for counseling services and for you know other types of services and put your pride to the side absolutely because when a guy told me about that he gave me the card we was talking he said man good i called 211 i said yeah he called me 211 you know he told me about the whole program i said man you must be crazy so we talking face to face and then after 20 30 minutes you know he went his way i went my way as soon as i turned the corner (laughs) i called called 211 (laughs) I did. I called him. Well, can you imagine? I mean, now, you know, here we've just been in the midst of this huge cold spell. Yeah. You know, not only the fight to, to get the drugs and, and the addiction and then the homelessness on top of it. I mean, it's just the one, hunger. The hunger. Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine being yeah. out there. Yeah. We got about a minute left, Willie. Mm-hmm. So for people out there listening, what do you want them to know about people like you? There is an out. You know, if you're in something that you think you can't get out of, it, that's not true. Ask for help. Ask for help. You know, and, and you have to take that first step. Yeah, yeah. And faith don't help, don't hurt. You got to have faith. You know, once you begin to believe in yourself, people can believe in you. So, you know, you got you can hang that that pride up on the wall. What's your future look like, Willie? It looks good. I'm 71 years old. There's, you know, there's, you know, I had taken my time about uh, trying to find some kind of study work. I don't. I don't want to work full time. But if right. I get me a little part time job, job because I'm getting disability, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to do some part time work. Great. Awesome. Well, you're an inspiration, and you sometimes I feel that people that are 
you know, suffering need to look into the eyes of experience. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you said yourself, you've got 56 of addiction ex- yeah, experience yeah, behind you. Yeah. I've got my own. And yeah. if we can take that out of ourselves and help other people find uh, courage, strength, and hope, that's really what it's all about. Got to right? make a place for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And let me tell you, you're a spring chicken compared to the guy sitting in the studio behind you. Hey, he already, yeah, he already called me a young blood. Yeah, he's 85, <laughs> I man. I know, yeah, he told me. Yeah, we were talking about, it's my dad that's in the studio. We were talking about today how he's beat the national average. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a good thing. That's, that's a real good thing. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, like I like to say to people in our situation, Willie, continued success. Yeah, and I will keep in contact. Absolutely. Right. Thank you, Willie. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for listening to this edition of the connection right here on WTIC News Talk 